Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Joining me as always, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, Andrew Malcolm at A.H. Malcolm on Twitter. Andrew, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Welcome back to you. And uh, here we go on the playoffs and uh, neither (laughs) one of our teams are in it. No, you know, before we get to anything else, we got to talk about these playoffs, right? Because they actually had three of the four games were really good this weekend. Yeah. They were, they all went down to the wire, except for the one in Baltimore. And Baltimore is the team I'm actually rooting against, of course. So I was a little disappointed that Baltimore um, uh, blew out the Texans. But I mean, the Texans played well, but Baltimore is just a dominant football team. I mean, I may root against them, but they're really good. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because the number two seeds have both been defeated in both in both uh, championships. Uh, the Bills lost at home yesterday, and um, I think the uh, number two seed who was the number two seed? Oh, I think it was Dallas. Dallas got beat last. San Francisco, or yeah, yeah, Dallas. Dallas was the number two seed, and they got they got their butt kicked. Um, so it's going to be the Lions versus San Francisco next weekend, and it's going to be Baltimore and. Um, in Kansas City, I gotta say, what I'm kind of rooting for is the Lions just to get into the Super Bowl. They've never been there, and I think it'd be a really cool story that if they got there. But other than that, I'm just really looking for good games now. Because yeah, like said, I gotta, I'm not gonna fight anymore. I gotta go with the uh, with the Chiefs. I just I love watching Mahomes work. He's did a good job. Sh- yeah, he's he's just unflappable he's like it's like uh when joe flacco was playing uh, for the browns this year you know he's just goes in there throws it it's on the target the guy can catch it it's caught and it just he's sweet sweet quarterback play i like to watch him and drew Brees and joe montana of course uh tom brady uh was good but i didn't I didn't like the Patriots. You know, Tom Brady was excellent. I mean, Tom Brady is probably the greatest quarterback to ever play the position, right? I mean, just statistically, he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the position. But there wasn't as much fun. (laughs) Brady was just so good that he got, I mean, he was a machine, basically. And you see, I mean, it just seems like there's a lot more fun with Josh Allen. There's a lot more fun with Samuel Jackson, Samuel Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I knew I was going to make that mistake at least once this week. Uh, Lamar Jackson, who is just, I think, clearly the top quarterback this year in the league. If, you know, and, and competing for that in in other years as well. But I think this year, there's no doubt. The guy's the best quarterback in the league, uh, Lamar Jackson is. Um, and with Mahomes, I mean, you mentioned Mahomes. Um, and even Jared Goff a little bit uh, with the Lions, although that's more just the Lions actually competing at playoff level for the first time since 1957. Um, literally the first time that they have actually competed for a conference or a championship of anything since 1950. Well, I take that back. They're in the, they were in the conference championship game in 91 and lost. Uh, so if they win this week and they get to the Super Bowl, it'll be the first championship of any kind that they've won since, um, since 57. But um well, anything bad was, that happens to the to the Lions is okay with me. 
I don't like them. It was the, oh, Lions, like the, Lions. The, okay. the Lions beat the Browns in a championship game once. And so did the Packers. So I've never been able to like either one of them. <laughs> so you're kind of rooting for you're kind of rooting for San Francisco then rather than Detroit. Uh no. No, I'm I'm oh, I don't care about that one. Uh, but I I just like to watch quarterback play now because yeah. yeah, I've been unable to reel each year for the Browns. My heart is with them, but can't can't invest emotion in that nope. uh, when i started watching football in 1954 the browns were very exciting you know they came in they came into the nfl after four years and champions in the uh, all-america conference and the bills were in there there's two uh they came in in 1950 the first year in the nfl they won the championship beating the Rams, which was the team that left Cleveland four years before and opened it up for them. So, I mean, it's just that, I mean, that was perfect. The last 30 seconds, that Browns got a field goal and beat the team that abandoned Cleveland. And then they had, excuse me, they had a whole bunch of good years with Otto Graham. And then 63, they won the championship with um, Frank somebody. Anyway, uh, it was it, it, they were they were they were good years to cheer. Now, not so much. But um, gee, Ed, it seems like the voting is going on in the primaries already. Already, well, actually, I was I was just about to introduce you by saying, isn't it nice to have the show at the end of the primary season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it kind of is, isn't it? I mean, no, I don't I think Ron DeSantis but I, I, I you, you just saw it that way. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Yeah, he did. He he uh, he was smart, and he's you know he can go back and be a good governor, and then go for the Senate or something if he wants. But uh, I found that in the past, the governors that can get stuff done, like him, and the one I the one I worked for, and a few others, they don't really like the Senate. They, uh, and they're not so much interested in being one of a hundred at maneuvering all the time and strategizing. And it's just a waste of time and for, to them. And I think they're right. So uh, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I don't really, I see it at the end. I mean, uh, the media desperately wants Donald Trump and because uh, uh, they've been in the, the financial uh, dump ever since he left and Washington Post is still having layoffs. LA Times is having more layoffs without the magnet of Trump. And of course he plays them like a harmonica. But, uh, you know, there's so much that in a normal primary season, I, I think it would be accurate, but there's so much to happen yet. Uh, and that's why You'll see, I think, uh, Haley, if she loses, and and DeSantis already suspending their campaigns instead of ending them. One, they can keep raising money. But two, uh, you never know. I mean, there's 91 counts here against Trump. And you never know what might come out in a trial. Uh, a guilty verdict, a prison sentence, like change people's minds. And... Trump looks dominant among Republicans, but Republicans are a minority. 
So you can be dominant among the minority and you're still going to lose. He's never won a, major, a majority until Iowa this week. You know, it's interesting about that, too, because, I mean, this was sort of the reason why, you know, I wrote about this late today as we're recording this. Um, you know, I remember 2016 and the way that Donald Trump won in 2016 is he just got pluralities that outlast yeah. field, right? Well, yeah. he's got majorities this time around. And it was not that there wasn't a field. Um, he's and this is the reason why, you know, in retrospect, because I was hoping that this would be a true competitive primary um, in the sense of fresh candidates getting in the mix and, and discussing issues. What this I think really is and has been is a referendum on Trump. And that's really just it. You know, yeah. so, you know, I wrote today, we're talking about, um, you know, Ron DeSantis dropping out. And so I wrote a piece today that said 2024 wasn't about DeSantis. It's really just about Trump. Does yeah. the Republican party want to keep Trump or do they want to move on from it? It's a, you know, yeah. and, and then the, the, the underlying question is, do you want to win or not? And uh, if you want to win, it wouldn't be Trump. He's got good poll numbers now in a, in a few of the swing states. Haley has dominant numbers now in a few of the swing states for uh, yeah, for oh. November, but he but he oh, for November yes okay yes yeah. for November yeah but she um, Trump didn't even get him uh, he got a plurality uh, he didn't even get a plurality in sixteen uh, so he got he got the votes in just the right places to get uh, enough electoral votes. But he was he was behind uh, Hillary even then, even when he won. So uh, I, I don't. Um, he he's a powerful political person and therefore fascinating. So uh, even even among those that dislike him. Look, I mean, you know, again, if it was my brothers, we'd we'd move on. We'd we'd have fresh candidates in both parties, right? Oh Lord, yeah, what a choice. Um, and I think most of the country feels that way because this is most of the country. When you ask them, do they don't want a rematch of 2020? They prefer that both parties have new candidates. The problem is, is that the voters in each party select their own candidate, and I mean it's beyond dispute at this point. That this is one of the thing, interesting things I think that we learned, right? Which is that the polls actually were pretty accurate. The yeah. Iowa polls turned out to be pretty accurate. And everybody was saying, well, wait till the decision point comes because people will say they're supporting Trump. And then when the decision point comes, they're going to change their minds. Well, not only did they not change their minds, but it kind of the vote kind of fell out the way the polls said. Trump had a, had a majority of the vote in a on a you know in a caucus night where turnout was down because of really bad weather which well that's not the only is, reason yeah okay. yeah well maybe they're just depressed and you're right exactly. it could be part of it yeah and also there was monday night football that was competing um uh, uh my objection and i for, forget trump and biden but my objection is that it's, it's such a cockamamie primary system uh to have two minor states no disrespect to iowa that has seven times or six times as many uh hogs as it does people uh and then new hampshire uh what 
they shouldn't be the ones deciding who the candidates are. They should have a voice, but so should the other states. But the media is so desperate to have a winner now and make it exciting that they they pile it all on. Um, and then the, the, the other primaries are all influenced um, as Florida was influenced when the media declared Gore a, a winner in 2000 in Florida in the central time zone. And, you know, it's just, I mean, seriously, Ed, what you want, you want Iowa and New Hampshire to be the leading states to pick. I mean, New Hampshire has half the population of, of Iowa. I mean, we can complain about that. But it's it's the same process that it's been for decades now. So I mean, it's not as though it's unexpected. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But they weren't pronouncing, "Oh, it's a done deal" after the first vote, which is what they're going to do tomorrow on Tuesday. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, in New Hampshire tomorrow's as we're recording this, New Hampshire goes to the polls tomorrow. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think that they're doing it just because. Trump won Iowa. They're doing it because nobody expected Trump's type of campaign to be successful in Iowa. He still ended up getting half half the vote, um, and, and he, nobody else and came he, close to him. He worked hard in Iowa this time. He didn't before, but he smartly worked hard harder this time. 15. Harder? Yeah, I don't know about hard. He worked harder. Ron DeSantis worked hard. Haley worked hard. Yeah, Look got him. I, yeah, because people yeah. weren't really the question in this in this cycle wasn't. Who's the best candidate? The question was Donald Trump, yes or no? Yeah. And half the party is saying yes. I'm interested in two things in New Hampshire. The first one, New Hampshire allows independents to vote in the Republican primary or the Democrat primary. And I worked for George W. Bush in 99 and 2000. And he got spanked badly in, or we got spanked badly in New Hampshire in 2000 by John McCain, who focused, that. who focused 18 points. That's a lot. And um, Bush went in as the overwhelming favorite. So it was a big surprise when the independence came out. Now it wasn't a big surprise to McCain because he'd focused all fall on the on the independence. Um, so I'm not sure the independents should be picking Republican candidates. And in the end, uh, they didn't. Uh, uh, but, uh, and Iowa, um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say about Iowa. But, um, oh, I know. The other thing is in New Hampshire, Dean Phillips. Uh, forget the Republicans for a minute. Uh, he's the Democrat from Minnesota running challenging an incumbent democrat president the same thing as in 1968 when gene mccarthy challenged lyndon johnson a minnesota right. minnesota senator challenging the democrat now dean phillips isn't going to win well he might because <laughs> joe biden didn't bother to get on new hampshire ballot so the democrats are desperately trying to get right in so he won't look so embarrassed for eight days when uh, a nobody from Minnesota um, spanks him, if that's what happens in New Hampshire. Um, when Gene McCarthy came closer to Lyndon Johnson in 68, 
couple of weeks later, he dropped out of the race because he saw how weak he was. Uh, this could be potentially a wake-up call for the for Democrats if if Joe Biden, by his own hand, doesn't do well because he didn't get on the ballot because he wanted he wanted to embarrass New Hampshire uh, and changed South Carolina to be the first primary. But then New Hampshire changed this state and made it in front of South Carolina. So, I mean, uh, that's just stupid maneuvering. But it's uh, to me, that'll be fun. Well, okay. So, I mean, I, I don't think we disagree a lot on this issue. I mean, I think no, you're, no. But, but I mean, when you, I mean, when you have the polls at Trump 53, Trump 53, Trump 53, and all of these different states, he's, he's much clearer as the, as the front runner and really the the incumbent uh, than he was in 2016. Right. That's a that's another unusual thing about this time is basically, not technically, but basically we have two incumbents running, and uh, right. we we haven't had that since uh, what was it uh, 1892 with uh, Grover Cleveland when he came back. So uh, well, I mean, I mean. When Teddy Roosevelt came back in the Bull Moose Party. Oh, he just ruined it for the Republicans. He ruined it for the Republicans. But, and that's but I mean, what, and Ross Perot did the same thing to, in 92. Yeah, but that wasn't two incumbents, right? I mean, I mean I'm, I'm thinking about oh, George, a George, George H. W. Bush was an incumbent. But, but Bill Clinton wasn't, is what I'm saying. Is that there was, that was just a three, a three person race. When, when when Teddy Roosevelt jumped back in, he'd already been president once and was trying to jump back into the role. So obviously previous. Yeah, but he, but he, split, he split it. He split it yep. and handed it to Democrats, the same as Ross Perot did. And Ross Perot, Ross Perot didn't even get a single electoral vote, but he got 19 percent of the popular vote. And uh, um, that was also a personal feud with um with uh, George H.W. from, you know, they were both from Texas. But, uh, you know, I, I think I told this story once before, but in 2000, in New Hampshire, backstage at a George W. Bush rally, his father told me that he knew he was going to lose in 92, two weeks before Election Day. Right. Uh, and I said, geez, how do you, uh, <laughs> how do you get up then in the morning? for the next two weeks. And he said, well, you know, in politics, you never know. And that's why uh, New Hampshire will be interesting. I don't think it's going to be interesting. I think Donald Trump's going to, is going to be 20 points ahead of Nikki Haley. Um, and the only thing but, I find interesting about, about that is that there are really two questions, right? In this primary, in retrospect, one was that the, do Republicans want to continue um, on their conservative populist track with Donald Trump as the leader or with somebody else who can assume that without the baggage and, you know, younger, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we got the answer to that in Iowa, right? And we've gotten the answer to that in polling in all the different primary states. Now the question is, is do Republicans want to, um, want to change directions on policy? And I think that that question has already kind of been answered by what happened in Iowa. <laughs> and I don't think New Hampshire is going to be all that keen on 
changing directions on policy either to a more retro conservative, um, you know, think tank based um, agenda policy sort of uh, person. And, and I don't think Nikki Haley is going to be the the candidate who can make the sale on that. Um, I think that Trump's going to wind, wind up winning New Hampshire. He's way ahead in South Carolina. I appreciate why Haley is staying in because she wants to continue to give voters a choice. But I think by the time we get done with South Carolina, I think that's a week from tomorrow, right? Or two weeks from tomorrow? Eight, 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 oh, so, no, it's um, Susie, it's a, a week from Saturday. So what is it? Oh, that's right. Days, it's a Saturday. 10, ten, ten, days. ten days. Yeah, 10 days or so from now or 11 days from now. I, I mean, it's really going to be all over, but the shouting at that point in time. I don't see Haley uh, scoring a big knockout win in her home state. Um, and not that I think that everybody has to endorse Donald Trump. I, I don't know that Ron DeSantis needed to do that right this second. He could have waited until after Haley got out. Um, but well, that that was a that was a a giveaway because he did such an an instant, yeah, so, soft, but an but an instant endorsement of Trump that tells me he's got other plans in the future. He doesn't want to have that baggage that he didn't support the candidate or was late supporting like uh, Cruz was. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think yeah. that this is all about 2028. He's 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 not going to get involved in a contentious party um, uh, meltdown over what's clearly now going to be a coronation, right? Trump's just going to sail to this nomination and this way his hands are kind of he's kind of hands off on it now say okay yeah. it's this who you want and i promised i would endorse the winner of this process clearly it's going to be donald trump here it is now i'm going to go back and be florida florida governor for the next two years and i'm not really going to involve myself in this yeah. for a while and yeah, i think well, that's, I don't, smart that's, that's, that's a smart move um, I agree. i'm not sure that his lack of charisma is going to la last for six years or whatever it is, five years left till the next one. But we'll see. Um, I uh, am concerned if it is Trump, because I don't think this is the same Trump as 2016. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's he's gotten squishy on abortion. Um, and uh, he's... He'll always be interesting. He'll always be a maverick, but I'm not sure he will be as conservative as he was when he wanted to win that one. Well, I think he might be perceiving that the, um, that the conservative movement is resisting him a bit yeah. and that he might see those conservative policy agenda items as a potential obstacle to pulling in other voters. And I, and I think that the, um, you know, he's the guy who's most responsible for Dobbs, right? He appointed three, yeah, absolutely. Three of the uh, justices that lined up for, for Dobbs. But I think that the Republican Party's um, inability to uh, provide a coherent um, argument on abortion afterwards. Uh, no. And that's, that's a problem. The March for Life was just this week too. And uh, or last week into last week, 
And I mean, those folks out there, they understand, they understand it. They, they, they live it, they breathe it. They can, they could instruct Republican candidates as to how to debate this topic, but the Republican candidates just generally don't listen. Well, Donald Trump doesn't either. So he might be just trying to avoid the argument altogether by sort of scaling back. I, I don't think it'll work either, but the other thing he can do is he can just, you know, shift the argument to something else. Uh, because he's very good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it'll be if it'll be a fascinating time. I, I don't think it's a necessarily positive time for the country, but uh, it'll be a fascinating, uh, fascinating time to watch. Uh, so let's let's move on to another topic, because we've got to talk a little bit about this Fannie Willis or Fannie Willis, however you pronounce her yeah. name. How much are you enjoying this story? Because I don't <laughs> I don't think that the news media is enjoying it too much, but I'm no. enjoying the hell out of this thing. Yeah, yeah. It's once again, it's fun to watch, and it's consistent. You know, the 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 Harvard president um, and this story and and numerous others uh, comes around to bite, but nobody seems to learn the lesson from it, and will still push this agenda. Yeah, you know, I. I, there was other sort of intermediate developments today in this story. Nothing really earth-shaking yet has come out of it, but they're going to unseal the divorce um, papers in uh, the Wade v. Wade, you know, uh, the, the her boyfriend, apparently, her alleged boyfriend. Um, and we've already seen some of the literally receipts <laughs> that came out mm-hmm. of the bank records that showed that Nathan Wade was taking Fannie Willis on vacations while she was paying him a lot of money <laughs> to run the prosecution in this RICO case. Um, what I find very interesting about this, and I know that you probably are going to laugh at this, what I find very interesting <laughs> about this, oh, what? you're already starting, see, is that the news media keeps wanting to say that there's no evidence, yeah. <laughs> unsubstantiated yeah. charges, they just released the bank records, Nathan Wade's bank records and the ticket receipts, literally receipts showing he bought tickets for Fannie Willis to go on these uh, trips with him. And they keep saying, well, there's no evidence that there's yeah. <laughs> Fannie Willis gets up in a, in a, in a, uh, in a speech at a, at a church, um, Ebenezer church, right. Uh, uh, in Atlanta and says, about this, well, you can't expect black women to be perfect. <laughs> and somehow that doesn't translate to people like, okay, so you're admitting this and she's yeah. never denied it, right? Yeah. Um, how long do you think it will be before the news media finally just decides to chuck her and Nathan Wade under a bus? <laughs> I don't know that they ever will because they become so bankrupt in uh, in terms of those kind of ethics um however this will greatly feed or fuel the feeling among so many trump people and possibly others that this all is a game just to get him and uh well i mean in this case i'm not even sure it's a game to get trump i mean really honestly it looks like fanny concocted this thing so she could grift she could she could get money off the grift yeah oh yeah and that's not that's not the only time that this that this happens 
but it it fuels the feeling, I think, uh, among many who are already convinced. I mean, they don't need convincing that Trump's being screwed. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that he is being screwed, and he's using it very effectively. But this will this will add to it, I think. Um, uh, it's just it, no wonder the belief or the trust in such basic institutions is gone. So poor these days. Yeah, you know. I, I I don't think that this is anything new under the sun, right? I mean, I think that when people set up these types of grifts, um, this is something that's gone on for time immemorial. I think the difference is, is that the news media used to be more um, nonpartisan about calling it out when it emerged, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they used to, I mean, and I think local media, I haven't seen a lot of local media coverage in Fulton County, right? You have the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, you've got the various different TV stations and other newspapers down there. I haven't really read a lot of the local coverage, a little bit of the AJC. So it may be very well that there are news outlets down there that are covering it like that, but we're not seeing it from the Washington Post. We're not really seeing it from the New York Times. New York Times did a whole thing about this. I think it was yesterday and never really got around to the whole explanation of yeah. This arrangement put you know put financial benefit in Fannie Willis's hands, and that's really what the issue is here, not whether or not she's having an affair with the prosecutor. Um, and I mean that's that's the issue here, and they're still tiptoeing around that in a way that they would never do in a million years if this was a Republican DA. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right, and this is why I think it fuels the the establishment of Democrats and the elites are after Trump in any way they can do it. And, and, you know, there's a lot of credibility to that argument. It goes way, way back to, um, you know, Russiagate and, and so many other things. Right. Right. I, I mean, Biden had a phone call with, with, uh, with, um, with Ukraine and he wasn't impeached over, if you don't fire this guy who's in the way of my son, yeah, I mean, that's it. yeah, talk, talk about grift. Yeah, it's disappointing. Uh, it's sad. It's almost. It probably is tragic. But you know, it's 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 like cheering for the Browns, Ed. You know, I, you you kind of you get to you get to the point where you go. Yeah, I'd like it to be nice and clean, but I'm not going to invest a whole lot of feeling in in the fact that it's slanted and crooked, and there definitely are two two courses of two levels of justice here, uh, federally and locally. Okay, I hadn't expected that analogy, uh, but I'll take it. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, now no. I know you don't have a joke of the day. No, that's right. That's okay. What's there's nothing funny in. But you can try. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking of that Sandra Fluke meme, right? Where she's just staring into the camera. Greta, I think they've done it with Greta Thunberg too. That's not funny. Um, um, that's fine. Um, I, I'm going to look this one up because I, 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 uh, uh, I, I read it to Marsha, my wife, and 
she thought it was hilarious. So here we go. There's a Presbyterian church in a small town called a meeting to decide what to do with the, about a possum infestation. After much prayer and consideration, they, they concluded that the possums were predestined to be there and they shouldn't interfere with God's divine will. Over at the Baptist church, the possums had taken an interest in the baptistry. So the deacons met and decided to put a water slide on the baptistry and let the possums drown themselves. The possums liked the slide, however, and unfortunately they knew instinctively how to swim, so twice as many possums showed up the next week. <laughs> the Lutheran church, meanwhile, decided that they were not in a position to harm any of God's creatures. So they humanely trapped the possums and then set them free near the Baptist church. Two weeks later, <laughs> two weeks later the possums were back, though, when the Baptists took the water slide out. But over at the Catholic church, they came up with a very creative strategy. They baptized all the possums and made them members of the church. And now they only come around at Christmas and Easter. <laughs> now, it was a different story over at the Jewish synagogue. They took the first possum and circumcised them, and they haven't seen a possum since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It took a while, but I, and I didn't expect that ending. <laughs> it, 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 it took a while to build, but I got there. You know, I, yeah, I, I so managed well. to stick the landing, I think. That was from a, yeah, a friend right. of mine. So a reader you, said you, it you, you need to uh, You need to run all this stuff by Marcia now. I do. I, I think I'm going to have to run all these jokes by Marsha before we put them up on the uh, on the podcast. All right. At any rate, Andrew Malcolm, regent of redstate.com. And by the way, for the second straight week, you know, we've been so caught up in um, uh, uh, the, the news of the day that we haven't talked about your columns over at Red State, which is one of the things that I really enjoy discussing with you. Um, so, if yeah, Trump wins yeah, New Hampshire, yeah. that's not the end of anything because, which we kind of debated a little bit here today. And yeah. uh, and then uh, to help us out, the media has already determined the GOP's primary winner already. I guess we did kind of cover the topics. Yeah, yeah, we did. We just didn't send people to Red State and click on the author page. But Go over to the author page and click right. on Andrew's thoughts on that. That's redstate.com slash author slash Andrew Malcolm. Or you can go to Twitter. We never call it X. It's only Twitter. That's right. And and go to at A.H. Malcolm. And the link is right there in his bio because he's not just the regent of redstate.com. He is the prince of Twitter. <laughs> Andrew, great talking to you again. We'll do this again next week, sir. Okay, and we'll stay old school. Bye, old everybody. School. Bye.